0: aren't behaving themselves, I need you to tell me afterwards, all right, and I'll be talking to uh, Santa Claus about them. So I need you kids to help me, right, because I need them to just listen for a few minutes, all right, that's all I'm going to be. So if we can just hold tight, that's I promise you I'm not going to be long at all, but I just want to share a few, a few things with both adults and children alike. But often what I do, I'll, I'll frequently start... A message with just a funny story. So I thought it would be appropriate to pick up on a a Christmas story. And this may be something that you can connect with, particularly the men amongst us. Because Christmas Eve, Morris thought it would be nice to buy his wife a little gift for the next day. Now Morris was always short of money. And he thought long and hard about what the present might be. So he was unable to decide, so Morris entered a department store and went to the cosmetics counter and he asked the girl, how about some perfume? She showed him a bottle costing £75. How much, spluttered Morris? The young lady returned with a smaller bottle for £50. Morris growled still far too much. Growing rather annoyed at Morris's meanness, The sales girl brought out a tiny 10-pound bottle of perfume and offered it to him. Morris became really agitated. What I mean, he whined, is to see something really cheap. So the sales girl handed him a mirror. I'm sorry if you married, Maurice. And, Maurice, if you're here today, don't be a cheapskate, okay? Be generous. Because Christmas is about giving gifts. I want to say the greatest gift that mankind has ever seen and ever will see was presented in the form of baby Jesus. I want to just take my reading this morning from Luke in chapter 2. The verses will be on the screens to my left and to my right, and you can follow them. And I'm reading from verse 8 through to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I'm intrigued by these verses. And this is my text for the morning. But what I know before I want to get into a little bit of understanding of the terms, the titles that were given to Jesus, it's interesting that it says that the shepherds were terrified. Now, they would be terrified because they've just seen an angelic visitation. If ever you have been involved in anything of a supernatural occurrence, it causes fear. But I was reflecting just for a moment on that word terrified. And the reality is many of us live in a world that is terrifying. If I can be as bold as to say last Friday, there were a group of children who were utterly terrified in a school in America. But the reality is that's a little bit too far away, so let's bring it closer to home. Because there's things that cause us to be terrified. I speak to older people who were terrified to walk on the streets at night in the dark because of what may happen to them. I talk with people who are terrified, who have jobs at this moment, but are terrified because they're wondering if they're going to have a job in the new year. I speak to people who are concerned, anxious, and fearful about how they're going to pay the bills come January, and particularly their credit card bills. I talk to people who are terrified because their houses could be repossessed. I talk to teenagers who are terrified because they're thinking, am I ever going to get a job? People... ...are terrified. We live in a terrifying world. Let's, let's be honest. But the challenge to the shepherds... ...from the angel was... ...do not be afraid... ...because I have good news. Now what is this good news? And if you're terrified this morning... ...I have some good news to bring to you. If you just listen up for a moment... ...because I want to pick up on the text... There were two descriptions used in one passage to describe one extraordinary person. There was a term called the baby will be born, it'll be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And the other term that they used was a saviour, a messiah. If you ever wondered what the significance of this nativity scene is... But I've never found the answer. I want you to listen to me just for a few moments because I'd like to propose something of what is happening. And what is happening in these verses has the potential to bring hope and peace to you. You see, when we think of the baby born in a crib, this baby was born of a virgin. God entered the world as a baby. This is why a baby was born in a stable. Because God entered the world through a baby. Now I've been involved in four births, because my wife and I have four children. Annie, Eleanor, Isaac and Lily. And I want to tell you, labor was a doddle. meant it was an absolute doddle. It really was. I thought I'd get tomatoes thrown at by you ladies, but no. But all of our four children have brought such excitement and delight and joy to us. And I want to say the birth of Jesus was no exception. There was a special star. There was angelic visitations. There were shepherds and wise and wealthy men who visited the birth. And this created such joy and excitement. But again, why a baby in a stable? What is the significance of it? Well, this is what I want to pose to you this morning is it's called the power of association. The power of association. And what I mean by that is, when I was working with young people and children many, many years ago, somebody gave me some wise advice. They said if you want to connect with children, then you need to get down to the level of children. If you want to connect with children, you need to be able to to be able to look into your eyes so you can actually connect with them. What that man was actually saying to me was, you need to associate with children. One of my favourite programmes on television is called The Secret Millionaire. You may not like it because you think it's flash people showing off what they've got, but I actually think there's some good in it. And in the programme, has anybody ever seen it, The Secret Millionaire? Just give me a wave. In the programme, many of you, in the programme, wealthy men and women. Determined to use their wealth in the community for good. But what are they asked to do? They're asked to go and live for a week amongst the people that are there to serve. They can't go into a luxury hotel. They can't go into a luxury accommodation, a penthouse suite. They have to live amongst the people. The programmers want the wealthy people to associate with the need. Jesus, when he came into the world, he came to associate with you and with me. That is why he was born in a stable. You see, Jesus was not born into a palace of kings. There was no five-star hotel and there was no luxury, luxury lodge. Jesus became, God became one of us. He associated with us. He understood Humanity, Because he became a human. He understood our loneliness and our fears. The struggles and the pain and the darkness. He understood the dirt and the grime of the barn. We have this fake picture on cards. That has Jesus and Mary and Joseph smiling or looking serene. In this beautiful laid out barn. I want to tell you, it was full of dung. It was full of rubbish. There was nowhere else for them to go. And it was by design, God's design, God knew it all, because he wanted them to be born in a barn so he could associate with you and me, just lowly people. I'm nothing special. I'm from an average neighbourhood, from an average family. And he associates with us. One of the programs that teenagers love is called MTV, or a channel they love, is MTV. And on MTV, there's a program called Cribs. Again, give me a wave if you've ever seen it. For all you older people, because I'm cool and hip and happening, because I know what it's all about. Cribs is where they take a famous person's house and they showcase their house, their cars, and their honeys. Now let me take a, Just you somewhere. Because if the TV programmers this morning were going to say, we'll look at the crib, we'll look at JC's crib. I'll tell you, it wouldn't get on MTV. Because there was no mansion, no six luxury cars, in a sun-soaked place with gold-plated taps. There was no NBA basketball court and no honeys relaxing by the pool. His crib was a crib. His place of birth was lowly. Just like you and me. So don't think this Jesus doesn't know what I'm feeling. He can't care for me. He doesn't understand me because he can. Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus were born into a time when it was politically volatile. They were fearful. They were vulnerable, they were effectively homeless at that point, and yet God associated with them. God associates with yours and my fears, concerns, insecurities, and hurts. This birth gave great joy, and it was good news. want to tell you why Jesus was born in a stable, because he wanted to associate with you but secondly it said in that text not only would a baby be born but a savior would be born and you may say why do we need a savior why do we need a king what is the significance of that It says today in the town of david a savior has been born a king you ask why do i need a savior what do i need saving from I want to state the obvious. The term saviour means to save, to help, to rescue. And I'm not talking about Batman or Spider-Man or Superman in tights. (laughs) I'm talking about Jesus, the saviour, the Messiah. I'm talking about Jesus, the man who hung upon a cross to save the world. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's requirements. You may say, well, I knew we were here under false pretenses, but he's not talking to me because I'm all right. I want to tell you, every one of you are labeled something that's called, and me included, a sinner. We've all sinned. We've all got it wrong. And actually, the Bible says that if we think that we're without sin, we deceive ourselves, we fool ourselves. I talk to a lot of people who say, well, I'm a good person, and they are good people, and they do good things. I would consider myself, again, to be a law-abiding citizen. I've not done, murdered anybody or hurt anybody because i or done bad deeds. But the Bible calls me a sinner. I want to do something with you if I can, just for a moment, just to liven things up. We've got some, hopefully, some guys who have got some scorecards. Has anybody here ever played bingo? Give me a wave if you've ever played bingo. We're going to play a little bit of bingo, okay? So I want you to hand some of the cards out quickly, if you may. As you hand over these sheets, I want you to take one. I'm not going to ask you to do anything with it. You don't need to get a pen. But in your mind, I'm wanting you to mark it down. I want to show you how it works. So just give me your attention. I want to show you how this works. It's called a life scorecard. And on the screen, you're going to see the life scorecard. And I'm going to call out some statements that may relate to you. And if you've ever done any of these things in your mind, I want you to mark your card. Do you understand? So as I read the statements out, if you've ever done any of these just in your mind, mark your card. Are we all clear? Okay, let's play. If you've ever... Gossiped. I'd like to just mark your card if you've ever stole and by stealing, shoplifted. If you've ever claimed more expenses than you should have done, if you've ever helped yourself to that staff stationery cupboard at work, mark your card if you've. Ever got offended and you've sought revenge somehow, some way. I want you to mark your card. If you've ever lied, if you've ever ever hit out in anger or got angry, mark your card. If you've ever swore or blasphemed. If you've ever thought bad thoughts. If you've ever broke the laws of the land, speeding through a red light, parking on a double yellow line, mark your card. And lastly, listen to me, you've ever been jealous about others and what they've got, There's some people who shout bingo. And then there's other people who there's only one mark or two marks on your card. That tells me you're a good person fundamentally. But I want to tell you, even if you've only got one mark on your card, listen to me. You still have your card marked. You're still in the same category. Like me, I don't know whether I could have shouted on all nine, but certainly there's many, many marks. On my card. You see the reality is we've all had our card marked. You may say Christian you are joking me. Those things that you've t- talked about are, are completely insignificant. They're small things. Well I understand but a fail is a fail. I want to tell you this morning. God classifies all wrong under one, under one category and it's called sin. There's not a different category For one sin list against others. It's all sin. You may say, Christian, are you serious? All the previous statements from the bingo? I could get it if it was cheap sex or violence or plotting or scheming or anger. I could understand it if I was dealing. If I'd raped someone. If I'd murdered someone. I'd resulted in a heinous crime. I want to tell you. God categorizes them all under the same. It's all called sin and our cards are marked just give me the last few moments of this talk because I want to say something to you. All those things that are marking my card created in me an ache. They robbed me of my joy. They stole any peace. And it's all because of one word called sin. You may say, well, why do I need a saviour? Well, I've just told you why we need a saviour because we've all sinned. This saviour brings the gift of peace Turmoil, fear, uncertainty, doubt. He is peace. Isaiah 9 says that he is the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. And he offers you his peace. I wonder if the band would come and join me. And we're just going to gently play in the background. Because in a moment I want to encourage a response from all of us. Because that is why we need a baby. Because Jesus came in human form. And associated with us. But he's also king and saviour. Listen to me. Because we've all sinned. And you may try and make it right. You may try and be right. And that's admirable. But there'll still be something missing. Deep in your heart. What's interesting about Arena Church is this. We're just normal group of people. But in the life of the church, we have ex-addicts. We've got people who had money, but who were not satisfied. We're sat amongst violent people. People who were religious. Young people. Families. Men on their own with kids. Women on their own with kids. But what has happened to them is, Jesus has changed them because they embraced the baby And they embraced the Savior. For me, this draws a response from me because it's a gift that God offers us today. It's a gift of salvation. It's a gift of life. And it's offered and opened to every one of us. No exclusions. No exceptions. If you've got all your marks on your card or just one or two, this gift is for every one of us. I was just thinking as I closed, how would I draw this to a close? Well I want to draw it with just a chorus of an old carol. In the 1800s, Christina Rossetti wrote, In the Bleak Midwinter. And the last verse is this. What can I give him? Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part, yet what can I give him? But give him my heart. God is looking for a response this morning from our hearts because he associates with us, he associates with our hurt, our pain, and he offers us the gift of salvation. I wonder if we could just bow our heads. For a moment, I just want us to pray.